There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. It's questions from the audience dated March 31st, 2021. Timothy Michael McKernan with you, Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss. Uh, Jackson, what's the good word? Uh, you know, I'm just doing what I do. Uh, got my Well, five- it just doesn't sound like there's a lot of passion. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's that's my read. I can't see you, of course, as as is noted on the show. We've never met. Yeah. I mean, we've never met. I've moved halfway across the country <laughs> to avoid you. <laughs> yeah, we're just total, total. Now, here's the here's the truth. Well, first off, we have met um, when you were uh, what Ladue High School. Yep. Yep. But uh, then also we did do a TMA live in December, and mm-hmm. uh, we saw each other there. But um, here's what happened yesterday. I was in the midst of recording this podcast, and my internet went down as it went down during TMA a couple times. That's the only time it's happened, and it was just an outage in the area. Um, And it didn't come back on, by the way, Jackson, since we were texting throughout the afternoon before I said, hey, dude, just go home. Yeah. I think it didn't come on for like another three hours. I wasn't home when it happened, but my wife texted me. So anyway, we were back there, and, and what I was saying at the outset was one of the questions was could you would you say there's something along the lines of, and I've just because it's easy to remember, you know, have there been different eras of TMA and what would you say they were? And I'd be interested in hearing Jackson's perspective since Jackson's been listening for a long time. How long have you been listening to the program bef- before you became producer? So I've been listening since spring. So I always say spring because I don't know the exact month, but spring 2014. Spring 2014, and you were introduced to the program by your family. Yeah, my brother and my dad, uh, loyal listeners from the grind days. My brother is, you know, 10 years older than me, so that's why he, he was listening to it in college. And uh, they just were always listening. I always felt left out when they were having conversations about it. So I was like, hey, I'm in a sophomore meteorology class. I'll, I'll take a listen. I'll see how this sounds. Probably more interesting than learning about cumulonimbus clouds. Cumulonimbus, wow. Yeah. So what was your first reaction? Uh, I remember vividly Doug was doing a breakdown of the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. Nice. Uh, just, just pure genius. Just, you know, they got guys who will put their hands in the dirt. And if you're old, they'll cut your ass. And I remember <laughs> laughing out loud in the middle of class hearing that. And I was like, <laughs> I'm hooked. I'm instantly hooked. Did you tell your friends about it who were also in high school? Yeah. Yep, I did. Did they enjoy it? Nah. I feel like it's it can't be something if you're in high school you like. It, as it w- dumb as the content is. <laughs> I had I, I would play email of the day for them sometimes and they would find that mildly amusing. But I mean I was listening to it in the car on the way to school, AM radio, because I drove around seven fifteen is when I drive to school. So I drove alone, but no, no one no one none of my friends really were that into but they weren't into talk radio in general. Yeah, talk radio isn't something that – I wonder how many – I guess podcasts, that would, that would be the move. Like, are your friends all listening to podcasts now? Uh, 
Yeah, uh, a good amount of them. Some of them are strictly music, but definitely podcasts have become way more popular in the last five years. Yeah. So for for, for the the question on the different eras, I went on and on and on, and, and we had gone a half hour, mm-hmm. and now it's just going to go into a junk pile. <laughs> but I went on and on and on, and it was like a half hour, and I, haven't, I hadn't even gotten to Martin leaving the show in October 2006. And I feel like that's the, the 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 history of the show. To do the history of the show, I think it could be done much better with clips and you know having all of the people who've participated, as opposed to me just giving, you know, one long monologue on the history of the show. But the question was on the eras of the show. Mm-hmm. Were there eras of the show? What are the eras of the show? And I saw this was a discussion on the fan page, um, as far as like a pivotal moment in the show's history. And so I'll answer that, and I'll say it was 2013. And I'll go into detail on why that was, and in my perspective on the eras are, and see what your perspective is. Because when you have 17 years, Mm -hmm. you have a variety of eras. And so that's how I'm going to approach the question as opposed to the history of of the program. Uh, So that's what today's uh, questions from the audience is. I wanted to do a deep dive as opposed to just answering just a bunch of them and I like that deep dive question. And even though um, I would imagine like the cat and Doug and Martin and producer Joe and the people who have a number of years or in Martin's case was part of the very beginning would have a different perspective on it. This is my perspective. And then I'm anxious to hear Jackson's because now you're part of it, but you also have been a listener for 17 or seven years, excuse me, seven of the 17. So that's what we got today. You are always welcome to email in questions, comments, erotic stories, opinions, whatever. It doesn't matter. Anything is welcome. Uh, title at QFTA, and then I put it in the QFTA file. And we have plenty, but today I was in a deep dive mood. T McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. Mother's Day is approaching. Father's Day follows. Sound story is perfect. You could knock out shopping for Mother's and Father's Day right now by going to MySoundStory.com. Uh, I can conduct the interview of your mother, father, grandmother, grandfather. Or if you and your siblings or you and your cousins want to do something for uh, your mother, father, grandparents, you can get in the studio and we'll do that. We can do it over Zoom. It doesn't matter. I can do the interview. Doug can do the interview. Dan McLaughlin can do the interview. Chris Raby can do the interview. We're going to continue to grow our stable of interviewers. Uh, and you can order that at MySoundStory.com or email me, tmckernan at InsideSTL.com, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. Sound story, perfect for Mother's Day, perfect for Father's Day, gr- grandparents' birthday, parents' birthday, anniversaries, whatever the case might be. It's Sound Story, My Sound Story. Com. Ryan Kelly, the sponsor of our studios here on the program, the Home Loan Expert, online at thehomeloanexpert.com. I refinance with them. I've uh, gotten pre-approved with them, and they make it so easy. It was something that back in the day you thought, oh, this is going to take forever, and it did back in the day. Not anymore. Not with Ryan's staff. Thehomeloanexpert.com is where you go. The Home Loan Expert Studios. Ryan Kelly, a wonderful and loyal sponsor here of the Tim McKernan Show. Looking for people you can count on? Well, we've got a bunch of them on this program, but for financial advisors, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Online at evergreenstl.com. He helps everyday people every day. 314-889-0503. That's 
888-888-0503. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, a financial advisor I don't hesitate to recommend to people, so much so that now a bunch of my friends are now working with him as well. He's online at evergreenstl.com, or give him a call, 314-889-0503. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark Hanna, evergreenstl.com. And Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com, the official HVAC provider of the Ryan Kelly Morning After and of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. Don't wait until it gets super hot to have your air conditioning checked on. Get it done now when things are calm and then, when it does get hot, and I would say we're probably, I'll set an over-under, Jackson. You and I are recording this on March 31st, 2021. What is the date you will set that St. Louis hits 90 degrees? Mm. What is the date you will set? I'm going to say May 4th. I was going to say May 10th. May 10th. So I'll go over on your May 4th. Either way. When that happens and the air conditioning isn't working, you're in a, in a big, big problem. And here's the bigger problem. Now a bunch of people are thinking the same way you are, and now you might be at the back of the line. Get it done now. Get it done with the best in the business, Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling Online at designairservice.com. The official HVAC provider of the Ryan Kelly Morning After and the Tim McKernan Show podcast. So, Jackson, here is how I view the eras of the program in an overview. Because I was going into the history of the show, and that's not what the gentleman wanted. Now, maybe people would be interested in that, but that's like something. That could be like a 10-part yeah. Swopes picks. Ken Burns. For real. I mean, mm-hmm. it really, it would be interesting, plus it would be amusing Definitely. just because the personalities involved. Yeah. Um, and, and not only the personalities who have been a part of it, but the personalities who have been on the other side of it. That's probably where the real entertainment would come from. Mm. Um, but uh, certainly the beginning is... Me, uh, Martin, the cat, producer Joe, and then don't forget Stedman. Mm. But Stedman was not the original board operator. A guy named Nickel was the board operator. Uh, but then Stedman became locked in with the program and is just a wizard when it comes to drops. Yeah. Uh, Stedman didn't really talk, which was also made his ability fascinating. Uh, Stedman didn't want to be on air, which is very rare for somebody behind the scenes in radio. Usually they're using that as a stepping stone to get on the, the air. He was just a brilliant board operator, so talented. Martin Kilcoin, I realize, I mean, you never heard the show with Martin Jackson, right? I mean, maybe you've heard clips, but you yeah, never heard the clips, show live. Clips, but never the whole show. Martin's ability, as far as like a five-tool sportscaster, I think Martin is as good as it gets. Yeah. Because he doesn't give a damn when it comes to giving an opinion that's critical. And that's the thing that I think will separate him from, like, because anybody involved with this show has been creatively humorous, brilliant, able to stay in character, which I cannot. I break. I'm Jimmy Fallon. I break and I start Mm -hmm. giggling. Martin, Doug, the cat could all stay in character. Iggy can stay in character like nobody's business. Although I'm not, I'm still not sure if it's a character or not. Um, but Martin would, like, light people up. But he would do it not in a, like, screaming, I want attention and phone calls because I can't fill the show way. He would do it because he really felt that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point that it got awkward for him at times with Tony LaRusa and Mike Martz, um, who were the coaches uh, slash managers uh, at the time when we were doing the show. So uh, that that era lasted for just two years and four months because Martin left the show in October of 2006, mm-hmm. and that was a falling out with Jason Barrett. And at the time, 
which is amazing because at the time it felt like it was everything. And in, in taking ourselves back, understandably, we could think so. I mean, we always viewed it as the three of us, and whoever left first would be considered, you know, this most, you know, the thing would never be the same, and it wouldn't be. And so me and the cat valued the ability to have our say in who the third person would be. And so we did auditions for a couple of months, and then they brought in Bob Fesco. And I know Bob Fesco has kind of, and he's hosting, and I think he's successful in Kansas City. Um, it's 610. Uh-huh. But um, in order to bring in Bob Fesco, they fired the cat. And I don't know if the Bob Fesco era would be viewed as in the way that it is now if they wouldn't have fired the cat. And it's not like Bob Fesco said fire the cat. I think they were just making cost-cutting measures. Yeah. And so that's what happened. And so Martin was going – Joe was fired in, in September. I would put that in the four-cause category as, uh, <laughs> as, as, uh, as I think Joe now acknowledges since he told the general manager to go fuck himself. That's just something that you can't do. Nope. Um, Martin quit, and then the cat was fired in January of 07. So we went from this thing that had Joe, Martin, and the cat with me to me in a matter of four months. And I began a period, which might sound sad, weak. I don't, I, I'm going to use the term. I know it's almost something that you, you don't use now. Um, but I was depressed. Mm-hmm. I was depressed from January of 2007 through June 2007. Because this thing I loved had been blown up. And, and then I was um, put, put with someone who I, d- I didn't um, gel with. Mm-hmm. And and then when it wasn't working, then it became a quest to try to get me to quit so that they wouldn't have to pay me the balance of my contract, which I think I had I had about eighteen months left uh, on the contract uh, or so, maybe long actually longer than that, probably closer to twenty months on the contract. So um, that was a difficult time in the show's history i would say without question it was the least listened to time in the show's history um and that was an era i had been working to get out of my contract for a while um and was able to mainly because i got a job offer in television and i was able to push my chips in the middle and i really did think i was leaving to take it and in new york and and then that allowed me to get out, and I thought I would have like a – if I would have had a long non-compete, I would have just gone to New York. But I didn't have it. I only had three months, and then it gave me the choice. And so we had that time period when I decided to turn down the New York opportunity to figure out who we were going to work with, with bringing back the cat, bringing back Prod Joe, and then who the next person was going to be. And we decided on Doug, and so much of that was rooted in two things. His audition, when, we, when the cat and I really thought we were finding our third co-host back in, you know, two, 2006. But then also the times that I'd worked with Doug from 2000 through 2005 at KMOV, and I knew how hilarious he was. Just like the most dry, witty, quick sense of humor. And uh, we came back on 1380 ESPN, 
and did that for a number of years until 2010 when I was offered afternoon drive at KFNS. And I think the plan at that time was for me to go over there and do an afternoon drive. But if I do that, then I'm not going to be able to work with Doug and the cat. Mm-hmm. And so 1380, which was owned by a company called Simmons Media, said, we can't pay you guys. We just can't pay you guys what we've been paying you. Um, we want to keep you, but we can't pay you what we've been paying you. So here is what we can do. You can own all the advertising inventory and sell it. And whatever covers your expenses and above is profit. And um, But you're going to be paying Doug, you're going to be paying the cat, you're going to be paying producer Joe, and you're going to be paying yourself. And I remember looking at the numbers, and I'm like, wow, we're going to have to basically double what we have done in our best month at Inside STL, which started in August of 05, in order to make this happen. And that's when I had a conversation with my father. And uh, this was probably December 2009 or January 2010. And I said, Dad, I got a guaranteed deal at, at KFNS that would pay me this. Probably about 30% more, actually, than I was making at 1380. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I can't work with Doug and the Cat. And I'm sure Prod Joe probably could have come over because he didn't have TV. But those guys couldn't have because they couldn't work in the afternoons. And I said, I really just, that's a problem i i said i love doing that thing so i don't know what to do but they can't pay me at 1380 anymore and he said timmy they're both shitholes and if i'm gonna be in a shithole i want to control my own destiny so i do the 1380 thing so i uh called 590 let them know i was turning it down and we took control of all of our ad inventory on 1380 and we made it work and because we were able to make it work uh, then six months later, 590 came back and offered the exact same deal that 1380 did, and we were able to go and do the exact same thing at 590, which is what we did all the way until 2013, which to me, if you're picking the most significant moment to date anyway in this show's history, it was that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the man and the woman thing. Now, the man and the woman thing is the thing that gets the most attention, because it was so amusing. But there are some details on that man and woman thing and what happened that, for whatever reason, and I don't know, I, don't, I just don't know why. I, I don't know if it's because, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I wonder if it's because I don't go into detail and so therefore our side of the story isn't told or, or what. But the way that it was initially reported is that we were just being fired. But in reality, what Dan Marshall, who was in charge of that thing, wanted to do was he wanted to put us on after Bubba the Love Sponge. And I think Bubba the Love Sponge, who he loved, he thought was the greatest, was over at 9, and then we would be on from 9 until whatever time. Mm -hmm. But then that was cutting into Frank Cusimano's time. And so then he said, well, here's what we could do. We could do a super show of you, Doug, and the cat with Frank. And when he was saying that, I'm thinking this is, I mean, first off, the bubble love sponge ain't going to work. But yeah. secondly, now you're going to ruin our show because now you're putting Frank in there and you're going to ruin Frank's show because you're putting us in there. We just do two separate things. It doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong. There's two separate things. So you don't put one with the other. And that's what, that you know, I mean, but, but the core issue on the whole thing is it's always sales. And if you don't have that, then you've got a problem. And so... Um, 
as that was going on, I'm like, okay, we're not staying. And then he got flustered that we weren't staying, and we were then looking at some other options, a variety of options, but including a variety of different potential landing spots, both where we'd be employed and both where we'd be doing our own thing. And this was the defining thing. And in, in the way it wound up playing out, and I don't know what the date was, I'm sure this is in the Inside STL archives, um, is I got it done the night before our last show, even though we had been working on it for months. And so it was able to stay quiet, which is a credit to everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And then that, that final show... There's a big article in the Post-Dispatch about how we're doing this thing and um, and we're launching this brand new station, CBS Sports 920, and all of these people are coming with us. And that was a significant moment because people saw us as winning. And I think for the people who were invested in the show, they were concerned that the show was coming to an end and all along, I knew that that wasn't going to happen. But for, I think, I think it was four months because I think the deal was 120 days. Mm-hmm. I had to keep my mouth shut, so I knew what was going to happen, but I couldn't say anything because there was like some kind of 120-day clause. And while I was on the radio that morning, Jackson, talking about what our plans were, Dan Marshall was texting me, uh, like threatening to to. You know, I don't pull the plug or something on the, the the show or whatever, and I'm like, oh, I'm just, you know, man, I have an hour and a half left here, so yeah, you know, feel free, doesn't matter, you can't stop me. Yeah. Um, and he was just beside himself. Um, but uh, we started the new thing, and I recall that being a moment where we went from one level of following to another, and I and I. Don't really know necessarily what caused it to bring new people in, but that was it. And I guess maybe indirectly that was the beginning of this kind of longer era. Certainly there's different eras because you have different producers and and, uh, different stations and all of that stuff. But when the the time came where we had to kill that 120 days – um, I just was, I recall saying, just let it be awful. This is what we do. There's no need to like force guests. I never was really high on guests on TMA. I love doing them on the podcast and I can't wait till we can do that again. Yeah. Love doing interviews, but I, I didn't like, like, uh, the TMA interviews. And it's like, let, let's just talk. That's the stuff that people like anyways, when we're just kind of riffing. So, um, I think that began that. And so when I would see people, and now now we're into the era of you listening to the show, 2014, but yeah. it, in 2015, for our 10th anniversary for Inside STL, I remember seeing all of these people who were um, younger. I mean, and not just like, you know, a few years younger, but I'm talking about in their early 20s, mid-20s, and it was a chance to interact with them and say, what is it? How did you find, I mean, how do you find 920? 920 really was kind of a flying under the radar radio station at the time how'd you find like oh we don't really listen to the radio station we podcast it yeah it plays like a podcast so yeah i guess you guys are on the radio i don't know we don't listen on the radio we listen via podcast or live stream it and that was 
uh, eye-opening anecdotal research, uh, albeit at this point now six years old, almost six years old. And I think that that is, and then because we controlled those time slots, we didn't have to adhere to any, you know, you got to break it this time, you got to do, you know, you got to do this certain segment. Mm-hmm. We just could do what we wanted to do, which was just talk and BS with each other and not worry about any anything. And that was huge. And so, yes, over that time, you've gone from producer Joe to being the producer to Brian Ray to be to Willie Springer to John Seymour to Gangster Pete to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iggy joining back up in 2016. Yeah. Uh, the cat coming, the cat going. Ah, yes, the cat. The <laughs> plowhawk coming, the plowhawk going. Ah, yes, the plowhawk. And all of these things that have gone on over that period of time. But if there is a moment, now I'm not talking about eras, but if there is a moment that I would say this was the mo- 2013 was the moment. And it just kind of happens to be the midpoint anyway. But that really wound up, from my standpoint, being the moment where the, the, the style of the show, even though that was always un- the undercurrent, that was the style of the show that it was just going to be us just BSing, which is what I personally love if someone were to ask what is the show what do you guys do oh you're you do a sports talk radio show I, and then occasionally I'll, I'll come up if i'm meeting somebody and they ask what you do and i'll be like yeah but we don't i mean we just don't and i, and I wouldn't want to do that no. i wouldn't want to do it i don't think i'd be good at it at this point anymore e- either i don't really because i'm not into it mm-hmm. so i can't i can't feign engagement if I'm talking sports, the audience knows I really care about it. Yeah. But I can't get worked up over a Cardinal regular season loss or a Blues regular season loss. I can't do it anymore. Can't, and, and I don't think that'll happen again unless my son gets really into it and then I'm engaged because of him. But otherwise, I'm not there anymore. It's not. So I love the BSing element of it. And I love the fact that it's kind of like a roast every day. And I love the fact that no one is safe. If people choose to get into the arena, they know they are going to get attacked, mm-hmm. and that's part of the sport of it. Um, and that includes listeners, whether they call in or they text in, that they could now yeah. um, get attacked. So that is what I've, I've found from that standpoint. That's what I love the most about it, that you can just BS, but you're BSing with people that if you were just sitting at a restaurant or bar, the conversation would sound the same. And that's what I love about it. And I think, and I don't know, but I think that is why it resonates with the audience, but in particular a younger audience that, and I'm not sure why this is. This would more be an introspection for you, Jackson, and Mm -hmm. people like 10 to 15 years older than you. But for whatever reason, authenticity, perceived or otherwise, in this case it is authentic, um, has greater value. Absolutely. Where, whereas, like, it used to be, like, the criticism out Bauer thing way back when was, oh, they don't work on it. And I'd be like, okay, well, I mean, that's fine. If anything, I kind of, I know you're trying to attack me or you're trying to attack us and try to shit on it. But, I mean, isn't that an indictment of you that you have to do it and you still don't have the following that we do? And we just fucking roll the ball out and talk and we have this following and generate ROI for advertisers and you work on it all day long and it still sucks, you know, so sorry. (laughs) 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 What what do you mean if I can do like, Oh, I'm going to work harder on it and then turn it into your show, which doesn't work. So, um, that, that, that was, 
so it's it's just an authentic conversation. But to me, that's the best kind of thing. Yeah. And I would imagine now. Here's the thing that I guess the, that you have to have some acknowledgement of. I think anyway that inevitably something else will come along. And by something else, I mean a different kind of abstract element that is desired by, in particular, younger people, although our show continues to get younger with the people getting involved with the show. I mean, look at you, just turning Mm -hmm. 23 a few weeks ago, that perhaps we won't deliver that. But, um, you know... It's it, it it happens to be authentic, but at the same time, it always has been authentic. And it's more representative of who we are at specific times. I think Martin Kilcoin would probably listen to him himself in 2004 and 2006 and go, wow, that's not who I am. I know I listen to myself from that time whenever it pops up, and I cannot listen to it. It makes me so uncomfortable. Um, just because I'm just like, I'm, that's not who I am. I'm really, like, grossed out by it, actually. <laughs> Um, I don't know what the hell was going on. I know I wasn't sleeping at the time, yeah. So I wasn't really myself. Mm-hmm. But that's who I was at that time, and there's now always an audio audio archive of it. Yeah. Um. So, you know, so eras you can define them by producers, you can define them by stations. Mm. But from my standpoint, the pivotal moment for the show going from one level of following to another was 2013 when we, you know, went and did our own thing and then just let the show kind of just go and we would just talk as opposed to going, okay, well, we got to have this person on. We'll do that. Like when Bobby Plager passed away just last week, we, we obviously did a different kind of show and we can do that. But Every morning, I mean, the thing goes, and I have an idea of where we're going to go, but but where we start at 7.07 versus where we are at 7.17 are two completely different places almost every show. Yeah. But I like it that way. Oh, I wow. like it that way. Yeah. I prefer it that way. So there is my observation. on it. You've been listening since 2014. How would you answer the question? Uh, how? So it's always, to me, just been like what you said. It's been authentic been it's great because there's no like there's slight preparation but mostly business side there's almost never content preparation um so i think part of that is why people love it and i think that as far as eras go like you said so 2014 i guess willie was uh producing the show yep and it's pretty much i really can't make like a stark difference from then to now uh you know cast has changed obviously but as far as content it's kind of always been the same uh i think listener involvement is such a huge element of it and that's been steady for as long as i've listened yeah it's always been that way i mean when you start and you're starting in 2004 you don't have a text inbox Mm -hmm. i think we've been doing the email from the beginning i think but I recall when I started, which is which you probably won't even be on your radar. Mm-hmm. The criticism, because the way that you do it is you kind of passive aggressive, like say somebody's a ripoff of something. Um, and so I was a ripoff of Jim Rome because we would e- read emails, and Jim Rome would, and I would imagine still does, read emails. And so you rip off of Jim Rome. And the truth is, I would say I'm a ripoff of Howard Stern, but I'm not saying that because I'm like him. I'm just saying that's who influenced me. Yeah. Without question, that's who influenced me. 
But I would also say I was influenced by whether it be a Bob Costas or Joe Buck, probably Jack Buck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from a local standpoint, Frank Cusimano, uh, Mike Bush, um, just growing up and watching those guys. That that's that that's it. But the but because I was like, oh, you're Jim Rome because you're reading emails, and it just was like that simplified, and that's not it. I always thought the interaction with the audience was important, but not for the reason why it's wound up becoming important. It was important because you wanted to know the pulse of the people. Yeah. So if you are running for office and you are disregarding what it is your uh, constituents care about, you're probably not going to win. So it it isn't necessarily something that is uh, selfless. It's more of just being aware. You have to know what people are into. And so now... Here's another thing. This is kind of like a roundabout thing. I think there is a chance that 101 ESPN coming into the market actually helped our show. Mm. I don't know that because it's been, I think, a decade or more for them. But because they came into the market, now it probably didn't help the businesses of the stations at which we were because it divided up the pie. Yeah. But um, for our show, it took those people away. Yeah. If they really wanted that stuff, now there was a place to go. And now with podcasting, oh, yeah. you actually are now having to go and seek out content. So the thing of us being aware of, oh, this is going to piss people off or we're going to talk about something people don't care about. It's like, okay, well, you can fast forward. You can flip a station. And if you do want to hear, you know, in detail, Cardinals, Blues at the time, Rams talk, uh, you had that. Speaking of the Rams, another thing I was thinking as you were talking, I know you were a huge Rams fan. Yeah and you got in in 2014, I felt like, now, I didn't listen to other shows, so I don't know, but I felt like our show was one of the few shows in the market focused on what I think was the right story, which was they are looking at moving, and we're not going to sit here and talk about the fact that they beat the Seahawks. You know, I mean, okay, they beat the Seahawks, and that's fine, but that might have been the final home opener in St. Louis professional football history. Yeah, and I, I think you, you made a really good point uh, there when you said when the show is talking sports, you know you're into it. And the passion of which you're talking about the Rams relocation, you went out to California, you know, to go interview people uh, out there about everything. I mean, where you in San Diego, Oakland, L.A., all those spots. So you, you could tell that that, like, we can always do the normal show of just rolling the ball out there talking about nothing, but you flip a switch almost and it's like, okay, we're going to break this down because this is legitimately like a milestone historic moment in St. Louis sports history, more so than a game in August for the Cardinals. So, so with, with respect to that specifically, uh-huh. I felt like I, I can't imagine from a sports standpoint, uh-huh. from a sports standpoint, so not talking about like what has happened here in particular really over the last few years. So since 2014-15 and then the eventual vote in 16 with the Rams moving early, early, early 16. Um, with athletes and social issues, which of course has been there for a long time. Take yeah. your pick of whenever you'd want to say that it started. But, um, that, but now I feel like it's almost like a, a regular thing. Yeah. Um, and 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 that's you know like the fact that Michael Jordan didn't get involved was a big deal. The fact that Tiger Woods didn't get involved was a big deal. Yeah. Now 
almost everyone is involved in it. Um, so that's, to me, I'm separating the two. I'm not saying that they should be separated. I'm just saying for the purpose of the discussion, I'm separating the two. Yeah. From a sports standpoint on a local story in St. Louis, I cannot imagine a bigger story. Blues winning the Stanley Cup, Cardinals winning a World Series, than, and, I, and I'm including both of them, than the Rams moving. Yep. Now, that, now some people might disagree, now you, but I, mean, I would say, okay, if you're talking about on the field, on the ice, on the court, whatever you would want to use, then yeah, of course, then you're talking about championships. But I'm talking about impact of the region because of a sports team. That is the biggest thing. Yeah. And from my standpoint, to not talk about that would have been irresponsible. Mm. Even, even though, now there's revisionist history since it's taken place, but when that was going on, and really, to me, it was certainly going on before the Jeff Fisher introductory press conference. But that was when we moved into the 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 lane of focusing on it. Yeah. Almost any time we were talking about the Rams, and that was January 2012, because I remember opening up that show, playing that audio um, of Stan Kroenke, which was the last time he made a public appearance in St. Louis as the yeah. Rams majority owner. Um, making comments anyway, and uh, and I said, Doug, I said, what do you think? He goes, well, the Rams are moving. <laughs> okay. And so for the next, you know, that's January 2012. The vote took place in January of 2016. For four years, it wasn't like our conversations on that were 100% or even maybe even better than 50% well-received. But that's a substantial part of the show. It won't be, if somebody were to take a look back on this show whenever it comes to an end or whatever the case, it certainly won't be anything that, that's focused on because the way that it's focused on by the people who just kind of drive by or don't listen to it or whatever, oh, it's a porn sh- show or whatever. Or they, yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, body or whatever adjective one would want to use to, like, kind of dismiss it. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's fine if you want to just dismiss us as a group of morons, but then what does it say for the fact that the group of the morons were the ones who were right the whole time on the thing yep. and that we were digging into it? And that, you know, whether I, I don't know reasons why others weren't talking about it as much. Maybe it was out of hope. Maybe it was out of fear. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But because we were not reliant on guests, we could say whatever we wanted to say about that situation and didn't have to worry about repercussions. There is such great value to that. that because then you can speak and not go, oh, God, if I say this, I might get in trouble. Yeah. So we couldn't be controlled, and that has value. Yep. So from my standpoint, when I think of things with the show, you know, you talk about eras and you talk about before 2013 and after 2013, but as far as things that I'm most proud of, it would certainly be, number one, the amount of money and impact our show has had on causes or listeners or members of the show's lives. Yep which has just blown me away. The Larry Nickel raising 60-some-odd thousand dollars for Larry Nickel was, was, the, was to me, the, I mean, that, yeah. was, that was nuts because I remember when his mom said, well, can you try to do 10000 I was thinking, oh, my God, we're, I don't know if we can do that. Yeah. And then it's going to make her feel terrible when we raise, like, three, and she's going to feel like people don't care about her son. And then we raise six times that, and you go, oh, my God, this thing is, yeah. You know, bigger than than you realize, and the audience is so generous Mm -hmm. and loyal to it. So there is that, and I think that's always going to be number one. As far as uh, the way that we did something, it was the Ram situation. Um, And it's not to say we know they are moving, 
But here is what we do know. And here is what we think based on what we know. And this whole thing of what you're being told versus what is actually going on, they're two different things. And yes, we may talk about asinine topics, but when it comes to this, we're on it. So I'm very, I'll, I will always be very proud of that. Um, another thing I think that stands out to me, and I don't know if it would be era-wise, I'd like to think that this is the case across the board, even though I don't know if this, this is still probably not popular, but that I think that everybody on the show, producer, host, board operator, I think, I hope, I certainly hope, that everybody feels like they can opine even if they might be in a minority. Oh, yeah. And by that I mean a minority opinion. Um, that everybody is welcome to, to talk, and even if their opinion is not going to be popular. Yeah. Um, that, to me, is important. That you're not like, oh, if I say this, I might upset this person or that person. So I think that is a good thing. Yeah. Even on opinions that I don't agree with. Definitely. But I think that is a true true element of people feeling like they have a freedom of expression and not feeling like they oh, I got to say this because otherwise I'm going to get into trouble or this person on the show will not like me. Mm-hmm. See, that's the key. If everybody has a comfort level with everybody, then they can rip the person and Absolutely. then also not take it personally if they get ripped. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's a huge part of a dynamic and all these things you cannot create or coach. They just kind of happen, Yeah, which sucks because you would love to like build like four of these things and you know and, and <laughs> yeah. then go this will be nice but it just doesn't work that way it requires a certain not only personality style but then combination of personalities that are different so everybody has to have this acceptance of I'm going to get ripped we are absolutely flawed <laughs> yep. but you know Doug views the world through one lens. I view the world through another lens. But just because we see things differently doesn't mean it's like, oh, well, he's fucking conservative. Oh, he's a fucking liberal. You know, whatever it is. Uh Or Iggy's, uh, you know, heathen. (laughs) But we're not sitting there in judgment on it. You know, whereas, for example, like the cat, I think, would probably be as far as like socially goes. I think. I don't know. Maybe it's not fair. But I think socially, socially, I think he would be the most conservative. But it's not like he disliked Iggy because Iggy was what he was or he disliked me because I am what I am or we disliked him because he was the way that he was it's just it's just like it's everybody's accepting and it's just like kind of the, and to me I think that's incredibly healthy I think that is the way to actually accomplish things in conversation or communication is to go okay we're different we might not like you know that but okay who gives a shit that's what your thing is it doesn't impact me if you're into it let's you know we got to figure something out let's figure it out and so that you know there's not really a word, at least I don't think there's a word to sum all of that up. Mm-hmm. But that is, that is you know, you're throwing all of these things in the pot to get to this thing. And that's, to me, th- those are the things that when I think about it, and I never really do think about it, but the question asked me to think about it. So I'm thinking about it. and I'm just talking as I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking those are the key things. I also think because we had to deal with so much behind-the-scenes adversity that sometimes would be written about in the Post-Dispatch, but way more often than not, not be written about, Mm -hmm. that it almost, it's like, well, you were in a fraternity. I don't like to use fraternities. I really am not high on fraternities. Yeah. Um, Because of of groupthink. Yeah. uh, And pressuring people to be part of a groupthink. That's just not my thing. Even Mm -hmm. though I had fun, don't get me wrong. I like plenty of people I was in there with. But, but, the thing that makes me stand, like if you were part of a team that won something 
or a fraternity and you're a pledge class and you go through something together, yeah. it brings you as a group together because you have those experiences and you won. Yep. And you fought together. Yep. And you survived. Yep. And you won. And so I think that's something that when you have that and only the five or six of us who have experienced this over all these years or the different eras, that brings us together because you know, the way these things go down don't go down in Dan Caesar's column. Nope. The, there might be a version of the way it went down, or it just never gets there. They go down, and I'm on the phone with, you know, everybody individually. Um, or then we get together and we talk about situations, and and we do what we think is in the best interests of the group. Um, so I think that is something. And I don't know, you know, if you can have even one person in the room who would go against that and then survive because all it takes is one to potentially break it all up. So, again, there isn't really a word for it, but these are all the things that contributed to it that then led to all of these different errors that then led to a group of people working together for a long period of time, obviously some in, some out over the course of time, but these different errors. but I know if you just ask the average audience member, they would say, oh, it's the, it's the humor. And I get that. And I'm not trying to take away from that because that certainly is a huge part of it. But here are all the things that you might not be aware of that I, am, that I would say are actually huge parts of, of the, the, the longevity of it. Yeah. I, the word I would use, and I'm making it up right now, would be deferred cohesiveness. Deferred Cohesiveness. All right, I'm going to type that in a search engine and see if there's any <laughs> cohesiveness. The only thing I say about that is because you defer your differences and opinions and everything that's gone on uh, to get you where you are, and you just work cohesively to get to the same goal, which is essentially 10 o'clock doing a show that you know is what you've done this entire time. So that deferred And you love. Yeah, exactly. See, that's the, that's the thing. And you love. Um, you know, that that's, I mean, I love doing this. I may have said this on the podcast. I may have said this on the air. I know I've said it, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know where I've said it, as I often say on the podcast. But about a month and a week ago, I took one day off. Mm-hmm. I mean, here we are. We are at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. As, as you and I are recording this, it's March 31st, 2021. And I don't know, I've taken one day off. In, in my agreement, I can kind of take as much as long as it doesn't <laughs> impact the revenue, you know. So it's kind of like a six-week vacation thing. Well, you know, I mean, I guess theoretically then I still have, uh, what, 29 days left for the rest of the year. Um, I don't know if Doug has taken any days off. I'm pretty sure Iggy hasn't. I doubt you have, Jackson. I have not. Um And I, and, and I think what that and, – and, and so the one day that I can think of that I did – we were just going to go somewhere because Anna Marie's parents were going to watch our son and we were just going to try to take a long weekend. And then I can't remember what the hell happened, but we wound up not going. And so, you know, I come downstairs, I'm up early anyway, and it's not really all that early. It's eight o'clock, you know, Eastern time. And I'm up and I'm like, well, there's the Comrex unit. And I know I could hop on and I kind of want to hop on. I kind of want to work even though it's a day off. And, and and so, again, not a word for it. You are using deferred cohesiveness. I yeah. like that. Nice. But what word would you use for that? That you actually want to go to work, even when you're off. Like, how often, and I, 
I hope people are taking it the way that I'm trying to say it is how fortunate we consider ourselves. Or I'll speak for myself. How fortunate I consider myself because I certainly didn't feel that way doing TV. And there have been times on this show because, again, all of the stuff that we've dealt with over the years, you know, most of which, I mean, almost all of which was off the air that you didn't, certainly in 2007, I recall specifically in 2007, I'd make a right to go into KFNS off, of, I think to Old Orchard was the name of it, or it was Orchard or something, where you'd make a right turn off a of Big Bend, and I would inhale and exhale and go, okay, I got to get to 10 o'clock. And that was when Martin had quit and the cat and producer Joe had been fired. And I'm like, I got to get to 10 o'clock somehow. I just got to mentally get there. And then when Friday at 10 o'clock rolled around, for those only, only it was only six months of it, I finally had an appreciation for the weekend the way I would imagine most people appreciate the weekend. Mm. But the fact that I have been out of school for 20-plus years and I've only had that feeling for six months, that yeah, is just – that is such a you – don't, you don't know it mm-hmm. because you don't really know any better, but by getting a taste of it, as miserable as that was – it made me, when we started things up later in 2007, appreciate the whole thing even more. And, and not just appreciate like working with people who you knew you could trust and were quality people, but also the talent level of the people. Yeah. That's another thing. And again, it's not to say that the, those involved at that time weren't talented. It's just a different thing. Um, you know, Take your pick of really almost anybody doing sports talk radio in St. Louis, and I'm not sure I would be a good fit with them. And that's not because they're not talented or I'm not talented or anything like that. That's all subjective. It's just I do a certain kind of thing. And so you have to be able to do that kind of thing and want to do that kind of thing for it to work. And that's what Doug, you know, does and wants to do. And that's what, you know, Iggy does and wants to do. You, Jackson, mm-hmm. and, you know, the Plowhawk and the Cat and Martin and jennings when he'd fill in and charlie when he'd fill in and ben frederickson when he'd fill in and now i don't i'm worried i'm going to leave people out and people think it's a shot it's not it's it's kind of across the board you're talking about 17 years and you're talking about such little internal drama uh that it's that it's like oh yeah that did happen yeah i mean that that was one time <laughs> it was it's like I mean, it was one time and it was like 10 minutes yeah. you know it's just it's just so rare, and you're just and you think about it, and and then you then you put the the years on it, and I guess at this point I'm probably closer to retirement than I am to school, which fucks me up to think about. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Yeah, because I certainly don't look at myself that way. But if you're just looking at it from math standpoint, I guess that's the way that it is. And you go, no matter what, we've been lucky enough to do this thing for this long, and I've enjoyed it this much. You just feel you just feel incredibly fortunate. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing is, the other way I would describe it, and I remember this at the time, like in the first year or two of the morning after, so not the morning grind era, um, that there was, I remember like some people who, you know, didn't work at KFNS but worked in radio, and it was starting to get attention. And we actually got, I think we were like third in the ratings in men 25 to 54, 25 to 4, 25 to 44 or something, I don't even know what the hell it was, that we got a bonus. Mm-hmm. And it was the same book that Martin had quit, and Joe had gotten fired, uh, and it, we just found it funny that they had to like peel off X amount of dollars for a bonus <laughs> when they were destroying the show. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know how that's possible because at KFNS, I guess that group of owners subscribed to the Arbitron. At the time, it was Arbitron. Now it's Nielsen ratings. Uh, KFNS does not do that now and hasn't for shit probably 10-plus years. 
but that's how the, the show had gotten popular. And the, and the description was lightning in a bottle. Mm. You have these personalities, and it just works, even though it's just ridiculous. And it was catching on. I remember a guy who worked on the Rams radio broadcast. He goes, I've been around a while. And he goes, for you guys on that station to be doing what you're doing, there's something going on there. He goes, you got to hold on to that as long as you can. I'm like, well, I'm not really holding on to it. We just like doing it. Um, but then that's why I was like, oh, my God, Martin's quitting, and now this is going to end, and this sucks because I've left television, and this is what I do, and this is what I love to do. Earlier in the year, I had turned down a television job in Denver, and I'm like, holy shit, this thing, now i got a real problem, and I'm only 29, so i got a problem here. And so for Doug to come along and to have it twice, it's like having two loves. You know, mm. in the sense that, you you know, you, you can really go, you're, I don't know, I mean, I don't know where everybody is on everything, but you can go, you know, a long time and not find, like, a true love. And, you know, you have plenty of girlfriends and all that, but, like, a true love. And then to have it twice, that's what we were lucky enough to do, you mm. know, and yeah. that's that's also rare. So we caught lightning twice, and so there's an appreciation of that because you know that the dynamic is the most important part of the success of the thing. When it gets down to it, the dynamic and the ability to give shit and take shit and not be like, oh, fuck him. I know he just took a shot, so now I'm going to have to get him. But it's ne- that's never going on, ever. It's just never going on, mm-hmm. you know? So I, certainly eras, stations, producers, and so on. Um, but you know, it, it really forces me to think about the dynamics because it's the dynamics that that allowed us to get through all of these different things over the course of all of this time. So now you're in it, Jackson. You yeah. have four months under your belt. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, what do you think about all of that abstract bullshit that maybe people who listen to the show find interesting, or maybe they go, "Oh my God, you just like complicated like." the chemistry of this thing that I just love and you've kind of gotten into it to make it, you've almost ruined it by talking about talking about it in that way. Yeah. I think the chemistry, you can't like, like you said, you can't coach that you can't, it's an intangible that, you know, you think about the reasons why the show has been on so long. It's just that it's chemistry. It's the fact that the people who do the show love to do it. The listeners love to listen to it and everyone gets along and you can't, you just it's so rare that you get that combination of things and not only that the listeners then support the sponsors and the sponsors get ROI and the business works it's it's this perfect storm of of nonsense but somehow it comes out the other end of just a a great way to do a job i mean every day 706 rolls around i get this slight euphoria when i hear uh, the so- opening song, which I, I've listened to this show for so long, I don't even know what that song is. I don't oh, know wow. It. Jermaine Stewart, we don't have to take our clothes off. Go to YouTube and watch that. It'll <laughs> be an eye-opening experience for you. Absolutely. I get some euphoria that, you know, a show I've listened to for so long and a show I really like and the people I do it with I really like, and I get to be on it. I get to produce it. And it's so cool to me. And it was so perfect. My first day, no Gangster Pete, just me producing. And Iggy, we start the show. You ask Iggy what his thoughts are on me, and he goes, "Yeah, Jeremy's great." And I was like, <laughs> "That is so perfect. That is so perfect." And I love this so much. And you just can't make that shit up. And it it comes out to just such a quality product, and I love it. Oh, well, God bless America. I love hearing that. I mean, I, I guess I, I guess I know that to be the case. We just don't talk about. It. I mean, uh-huh. I just don't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. I really don't. T- there there have been times. Um, 
that, you know, I don't know. It, it would kind of get into some inside baseball, but mm-hmm. uh, that, I, that I can't have, you know, publicize or, or whatever the case might be which again is also actually part of the show's success <laughs> yeah. is is turning the other cheek yeah uh so to speak on some things but uh and i know that drives the audience up up the wall uh but uh it's 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 not it's not it's 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 strategic really is the best way i can describe it because if you get involved in that now you're inviting downside and mm-hmm. as i've often said the advice i received from bert kaufman who owned uh 920 when we were there uh, don't ever engage in a war of words with a liar and don't spend any minutes on something that has no upside. Yep. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think he was trying to spit wisdom, but like it's been eight years since he said that to me and I still, I still use it. And it's like, it's, and it's so damn simple. It's like, well, this has no positive and I'm wasting time on it. It's kind of how I'm approaching social media and politics at the moment. Yeah. I just like, okay. I mean, it, it puts me in a negative state of mind. I'm not getting anything out of it, and I'm you know. So what am I doing? You only have so much time, and to waste time by like reading crap that's going to put you in a miserable state of mind, or watching crap that's going to put you in a miserable state of mind. Why would you do it? You know. So it's like okay, take it out. It's downside. There's no upside. Take it out. Uh, and yeah, not getting in a war of words with somebody who's a compulsive liar. That's kind of you know. You would like to think that's obvious, but I just happen to be in a position where I was actually <laughs> choosing between getting in a war of words with somebody who's a compulsive liar, and uh, you know. So, so that that is you know. There's all these little things in it. I guess if somebody were to really do like a deep dive, it would be interesting if you had, you know. Um, I guess it would be maybe it would be interesting. I suppose it'd be interesting to those of us involved. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be interesting for the audience, if and when the time comes when everything can be said. Because for us, it's just been part of our lives for so long, and we mm-hmm. know it. But a lot of it, um, you know, has just we just haven't talked about it. But amongst ourselves, we certainly have. Um, and uh, and then yeah, I guess the ability to compartmentalize that and then do the show. And then deal with whatever we need to deal with before or after the show. We do, but it's not like that's going on all the time. I want to make that clear, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I don't know. I, ho- I think that answer. I think that answers the question. I think it does. It probably gave more. Uh, but um, yeah, I you know I have a great deal of gratitude for being able to do something for a living that I love to do. Mm-hmm. And if you are in a spot where you're fortunate enough, and it doesn't have to be limited to this kind of thing, it can be something else. I mean, you can be working in medicine. You can be doing something where you don't necessarily make a whole lot of money, but you can see that you're having an impact on people's lives. Take your pick of whatever it is, and you love doing it. My goodness. I mean, that to me, you know, when people would ask, what do you hope for your son? I just want him, I mean, essentially to love whatever it is that he gets to do and be happy. That's it. Yeah, what more can you ask for? I mean, you can make all the money in the world and be miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's there's a great deal of appreciation for that and the longevity of it and to realize that at some point also, which I suppose is negative, but I think it's healthy to look at it. It's kind of like I think it's kind of healthy to acknowledge, you know, mortality. There's mortality on this, that this will come to an end inevitably. It, is, I mean, it just has to, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and at the very least, there's some semblance of a shelf life on – uh, this group of people, it's just the way that it is for whatever reason. And I'm not saying I know how it will all come to an end or anything like that. Um, 
I, I used to theorize that it would be something someone would say that then would be written about in the newspaper. That was like five years ago. Now I, then I changed it to something somebody said, and then it will turn into a thing on social media without the proper context, and we'll just be, you know, yeah. more people to take out. And now I think there's a chance it could be something that somebody already did like 10 or 15 years ago yeah, shit, as we do the that. retroactive cancellations. Yeah. So that that so we might already be we might have already like uh, taken the pill that kills us. I don't know, but you know whatever. It, it, when it happens, uh, it will suck. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to act like it wouldn't suck, but you know you kind of just you, you always kind of. I mean, you know you're going to die, so you know. Yeah. Uh, that's just the way that it is. But you enjoy what you got while you got it, and that's how I look at it. And I think the audience does too. It, I mean, I don't know how many times Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if if it's happened for you at this point. But yet, but it, it will. Um, I've gotten an email. It has to be weekly, where somebody sends an email and just like I just I lost this person in my life, or I was going through this, and you have no idea how much your show means mm-hmm. to people. You have no idea. Which to take it that way, when we know what it is that we're actually doing, which is just bullshitting um, and fucking off, to have it actually mean something. You know, and that's giving it credit for like a method when there is not a method, but it doesn't matter if it does, if it gets people through, if laughing or just knowing the comfort of it's 707, you're going to hear these voices and therefore it gives you some semblance of comfort or escape, then that's, that's an incredible thing as well. Because for us, you know, we're just in it to amuse ourselves and uh, ideally amuse the audience and it's our jobs but then as time goes on it becomes it, it starts to have more meaning not to, to us per se um, outside of our appreciation for doing it but for people in the audience yeah no uh, I kind of I mean I kind of live that obviously my story is nowhere even close to losing someone you love but uh, when I was a freshman at Florida Gulf Coast those first couple of weeks it was brutal I mean I didn't know a soul there 2,000 miles, not that far, but far away from home. Didn't know anybody there. It was difficult for me to get acclimated. It was hot as all hell. And the show at 7.07 every morning was super helpful, impactful, kind of grounding me to be like, you'll be all right. Everything will be good. And, you know, you can say what you will, but it was really important for me to have that. And then my mom wrote that article in the Jewish Light about that, which uh, which was great for... Because it made me sound like a loser, because uh, <laughs> I was eating alone with my headphones in. But it was true. But because like, it was really helpful to me. And then, you know, it became a really important. Like, no matter what happens, like, you may not meet a single person here. Obviously, I did, and I have great friends to this day from Florida. But no matter what, seven oh seven, you'll hear. You can. Uh, what's the song called? I've already forgot. Uh, we don't have to take our clothes off. The yeah. wonderful Jermaine Stewart. Yeah, I'll hear that every morning, and I'll know everything is, you know, as it seems. It's a weird, yeah, it's a weird thing. I mean, it's, yeah, and the, I mean, yeah, I just, I, the way I look at it is I just love doing it. Mm-hmm. I just love doing it. And the other thing is it's also odd that it, that it certainly can do that for somebody such as yourself, and I gather it does it for other people. Yeah. But that if we needed to, for real, if somebody said, "Okay, I just just for the hell of it, I just want to see if you guys can do it," we could do it for twelve hours. Yeah, we could go from seven to seven. We truly could. 
Maybe we'll do it to raise money. I don't know. That would be awesome. Do it. But now Doug, <laughs> Doug may need to be talked into it. Plug an IV. But there's not a doubt in my mind we could do it. Yeah. You know, and I and, I, and here's the other thing. There are times, very rare, they're very rare, which is which is another positive, where we have to do something, and for real, it's very rare, where I go, oh, God, we got this coming up or whatever, uh-huh. you know, and all of us internally go, oh, shit. But, you know, whatever, you do it, it's part of the deal. But on that, I would be like, oh, I'm kind of looking forward to this because I'm kind of looking forward to seeing, like, how it – and just the – I mean, over the course of 12 hours, yeah, what asinine crap would come up. That would be unbelievable. I, I know that uh, Pardon My Take does that 24-hour live stream, and they do a bunch of ridiculous stuff. But Oh, I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. I didn't know. So what, they'll do the show for 24 hours? They don't necessarily do the show, but they lock themselves in a room, and they do – like, they play video games, and they just, like – are on live stream for 24 straight hours and it's mildly I think it's kind of entertaining but if we did a 12 hour show man oh my I'd, I'd be sending I'd have probably I said 50 links at least because we have to I mean <laughs> and I'd be cutting audio like crazy I mean it would be that would be really and I'm I'm with you I no doubt in my mind we could do it um we need to eat and drink water obviously but we could get that done it would it would be really wild yeah, I don't know if we could wind up raising a bunch of money. Maybe we should do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, seven. I mean, it's a, that, that that's another thing. Like, and it's just you know, and you think about it, and you think about it, I don't know. It, it's just one of those things that you just have a great appreciation for. Never, I mean, never. When I, when we started it in July of two thousand four, would I have thought? Wouldn't it mean how can it, how can you even think that way? Because at that time, I'm twenty six. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. Uh, twenty seven. How long have I been? Um, you don't even think about being in your 40s. You know, you're know, you not thinking about being in your 40s right now. I don't want you to think about being in your 40s right now. Nope. But it's just not the way that you think. Uh, I guess I'm not thinking about being in my 60s right now, so I suppose I'm doing it in my 60s. It'd be, you know, sir, I can't imagine that that's the case, but shit, I couldn't imagine ever thinking about doing it in my 40s. Mm-hmm. It's just not the way that you think. And then you're doing it, and you think of, like, it's been this constant since... You know, since the Cardinals won 105 games in the regular season in 2004. Yeah. You know, since the Rams went to the playoffs in 2004 and beat the Seahawks and lost to the Falcons. And, you know, the Blues were one of the worst teams in the NHL. The Blues winning the Stanley Cup and all the points in between. Um, You know, Jackson, there's been some good Missouri basketball in there. Not a lot of it. Flashes. Flashes, Flashes. right? Um, And so, you know, you think about that and it – so I suppose if somebody did want to, and I suppose maybe that would be us, uh, to do it the right way since we have access to all the audio, to kind of uh, do like a time capsule or something like that, uh, you know, to go through it all, and then to get people's perspectives on certain shows and segments and moments, um, that would be... Yeah. That I'd be curious because it's not like we get done with a show and Doug and I get on the phone. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> ever as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, so to be, I'd be interested to hear what what you know everybody else on the show thinks. Especially if you go back and you're like, okay, we're gonna relive, you know, I don't know, the five ninety, the man, thirteen eighty, the woman press conference, and play that. And then, you know, I can picture like I can picture producer Joe on the floor laughing, <laughs> like he can't control himself because it's the best on unint- and the people on the outside of the studio looking in and looking at us laughing. Like, what are you laughing at? Yeah. Like, they don't get it. But it's great. It almost is a perfect metaphor for the show. Yeah, that's a, yeah. 
Wow, you know, like that. That's crazy. That they they don't get what it is that has us on the inside laughing our asses off. You can't play the design, air, heating, and cooling email of the day for somebody who's never listened to this show and get the same reaction that you would get from somebody who does listen to the show. And you can't even be possible. It can't even be close. No. So... It just shows, as I, how would you describe your show? Uh, an inside joke wrapped inside of 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 an inside joke that occasionally will talk sports. Yeah. That's it. Yep. You know, so as far as a business model goes, it isn't really a good one because no. it's limited to the people who get the joke. Tough, tough but, one sheet. Yeah, but that's, that's, you know, but then at the same time, if people, and it's funny because there are people who, um, you know, like I'll play golf with, for example. Mm-hmm. And they know that that's what I do for a living, but they don't listen to the show. Mm-hmm. And so then when, like, in passing, they'll mention, like, oh, you know, who are you playing golf with? Yeah, I'm playing golf with Tim McKernan. And then one of their friends or relatives does listen to the show, and they react like they're playing with the president. <laughs> yeah. And then this guy goes, yeah, I told my cousin that I was playing golf with you. And I guess he listens to your show. He's really into it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can tell that the person's disturbed <laughs> by the reaction, you know, uh-huh. and and is like, I just thought you kind of like did like a sports talk show. And so why would, you know, why would my cousin be this excited about, you yeah. know, me playing golf with you? You know, and that's that's the thing. It's it's one of those things that I don't know what of the population of St. Louis and listens to it. It has to be less than one percent. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Maybe it's slightly higher. I have no idea how that's possible, but whatever. I mean, you're talking about three plus million people. Yeah. Um. So, what's three? What's what's one percent, Jackson? Can you do it off the top of your head of three million? I, mean, I happen to have a calculator in front of me. Would it be able to do the math? Well, I guess we probably I guess we probably do have more than that. Thirty thousand? Thirty thousand. Yeah. yeah, so we gotta have that. Yeah. I don't know if sure. we would have ten thousand though. Uh or excuse me, ten times that, three hundred thousand. I don't mm. think, think that would be pretty aggressive. Yeah. Um, maybe though. Yeah, so certainly more than thirty, but imagine less than three hundred. So either way, for a s for a sliver of the so you're lining up a hundred people and maybe maybe, you know, Two of the 100 in the St. Louis area would be familiar with it. Yeah, you know, maybe not. That, daily that's what you're. Listeners. That's what you're looking at. It. Yeah, but if they're familiar with it, they're passionate about it. Definitely. And by the way, that's that 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 that's a business model that does work. Mm-hmm. That's a business model that does work. So I don't know. It's a great question by Tom. I've taken it and I've I've bastardized the question, but uh, I appreciate the question, Jackson. You're going to need to tell me what live reads I need to do. I don't think I've done Munganast. Am I correct on that? No, you definitely haven't done that. So Munganast is where I got my cards, where Doug got his cards, where Iggy got his car serviced. St. Louis AltonToyota.com. Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson, major recommendations for them. They have great specials for our listeners. They have service specials for our listeners. St. Louis is in West County in St. Louis County, and AltonToyota.com is in Alton, Illinois. Support the sponsors, Munganast, St. Louis Acura.com, and AltonToyota.com. And then Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis.com and a new company, uh, Alton Toyota, uh, excuse me, American Environmental. Uh, he does not own Alton Toyota. If he does, he <laughs> has not briefed me on it. American <laughs> Environmental, he does. He just bought it. 314 664 2800. When you think of air quality, you likely think of outdoor pollution. 
Most people aren't aware that the quality of air in your home has a much greater effect on you than outdoor pollutants. On average, a person spends 12 hours a day in their home, and with the pandemic, that number has increased significantly. The air in your home could have mold, dust, pet dander, elevated levels of radon, or even carbon monoxide levels that are invisible and odorless. Air goes in our lungs, and air goes out our lungs. Ah, yes, air. The significance of good air quality is more important than you think it is when it comes to overall health. Call American Environmental. If you have any questions pertaining to the air you're breathing in your home, call 314-664-2800. Expertise in indoor air quality testing for over 25 years. That's 314-664-2800. And what's the last one that I haven't done? I think it's James Carlton. That's what I think. Am I right? Uh, did you do Ryan Kelly? I did. Yeah, then it would be James Carlton because he did Design Air and Mark Hanna. Uh, James Carlton is my insurance agent. I recommend James Carlton to you. Uh, 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs on a leg and arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Um, people have made the switch. People have emailed me, and they rave about him. James has raved about the response he's gotten from our audience. That's huge. Of course, that's really when it gets down to it, the name of the game. But I'm not just going to sit here and just recommend anybody. When it comes to Ryan Kelly, when it comes to Mark Hanna, when it comes to Jamie Burkhardt, when it comes to Clayton Patterson, when it comes to Jim Rogers, and now I'm going to with Seth Goldcamp, I happen to either know all of them, well, I know all of them, um, or have done business with them, or somebody incredibly close to me has done business with them. Across the board. It's across the board. Everybody. And that should tell you all you need to know. But I still know that people sometimes go, hey, you know, who's the person that you recommend for this? This Had that happen, as a matter of fact, recently with another client? And I'm like, yeah, the best. I mean, I wouldn't say it. I just wouldn't say it. I wouldn't put my name on something if I didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're starting out, sometimes you might have to do that stuff. But, what, but you know, it gets to a point where you're not going to put your name, your endorsement on something if you don't. Well, I switched to James Carlton. That's how highly I think of him. And I, there's no way I would switch to anybody else at this point. And that's not a reflection on the others so much as a reflection on James. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. Uh, the Deep Dive podcast is in the books. Um, and I, I kind of like doing the Deep Dive. Yeah. So if uh, – oh, look at this. Ben Fredrickson. I'm so like I'm, – I'm, I'm on Twitter, but I just never tweet or mm-hmm. I rarely tweet. Uh, Ben Fredrickson to CC at T. McKernan. Nolan Arenado takes the field wearing the blue road Cardinals cap. It's a blue hat series. Wow, wow, wow. Needs to be every. Oh, so you're on you're on board. I was just about to ask you. This is like a uh, <laughs> a, a a test of your character from my standpoint. Yeah, every road game needs to be wearing the navy road caps. It's a travesty that they changed to the what red the ones. deal with that is. Uh, it's brutal. I don't get it. I really don't get it. It, it. it needs to be a star like Arenado or even someone younger to say, I won't re-sign with the Redbirds until the hat changes. Someone's that would be the stand. worst negotiation in the history <laughs> of business. I am going to take this organization that is likely willing to give me nine figures of income over the next X amount of years and say I won't sign on them based on the color of the fabric of the cap. Yep, die on, die on a sword. All right. Well, I, I mean, I, I respect your passion. I wasn't anticipating it uh, to that level. But, uh, yeah, let's say Jack Flaherty yes. is uh, saying, listen, I want to pitch for the Cardinals for the rest of my career, but we need the Navy. Now, the thing is, the guys on the team do feel that way. Yeah. They do. And the fans feel that way. Now, that doesn't mean all the fans. No. But I think it's like in the 60-40 range. Yeah, probably. Um, 
on the on the Navy hat. And I, for the life, I don't get it. I really don't get. It. I know what Bill DeWitt the Third said. Now I haven't talked to him in a while about it, and I'm sure when I when I talk to him, I'm sure he's just like, oh, this is weird. This guy's in his forties and he's really upset about the color of our hats. You know, I mean that's that is a weird thing. Uh, you know, and here's this guy. What did he go to? He went to some Ivy League school. I know yeah. that he's you know the the president of the organization. He'll be the chairman of the organization. He's got all these things going on. And here he is doing what he thinks is at least some semblance of a serious interview, and all of a sudden the interviewee is holding him accountable for the color of the hat. It doesn't do much for the caliber of the credibility of the interview, but I do feel strongly about it. Yep. And what I don't understand is, is he said, well, I mean, the Cardinals, so it needs to be red. But, I mean, there is red. Yeah, there's red all over. I, th- I remember it actually had something to do with the spikes, Hmm. It, it it is. It, I don't know if you remember hearing this. this was before, obviously before you were with us, but it might have been before you were um, even listening to the show. And it had something to do with Major League Baseball wouldn't let them, like the hat had to match the match the spikes or something like that. I don't remember. And the players wanted to wear one color of spikes if they were going to wear a hat. I can't something like that. But then they took a poll of the fan base, and it like was sixty forty. Yeah. Of what people wanted, and now the only time you see the navy hat is when it's uh, a red hat team like Philly at home, Cincinnati. like the Reds, for example, or yeah. the Phillies or the Angels or the Rangers. If the Rangers are wearing red hats, who else am I missing? And there's a couple more. Phillies, Attitude. Nat- uh, Nationals. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, uh, man, it's just, it's such a sharp look. Yeah, it really is. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe I'll put up, no, I'm going to, I'm going to invite. <laughs> I'm gonna invite here. I'm gonna do this while we're doing the podcast too, oh, because yeah. I'll get motherfucked right away, so people can like experience getting motherfucked with me. Well, maybe it will, maybe we won't have enough time for me to get motherfucked. What would what is your? Make sure that we're doing this proper uh, Gallup polling with me. Yeah. What is your preference for the color of the STL cards road cap? Navy or red? Yeah. And I will be told to go fuck myself. <laughs> see, so how many hours do we have until the radio show tomorrow at this point? What are we talking about here? Like 18? Right? Yeah. You right, so I'll make this, yeah, I'll have this thing end right when we go on the air tomorrow. I'll get told to fuck myself. Why do you care? This is stupid. Mostly from burners. The Arenado tweet where you said the Cardinals would be better had some high quality mother efforts. Oh, that. really? Yeah, it was like, oh, nice take, douche, or whatever. On, on what was the tweet? Uh, I think the Cardinals have a better chance of winning now that Nolan Arenado is on the team. Or something. oh, <laughs> and I and you know what? I got to tell you something. This is something that comes here. This is I'll call it with wisdom, uh-huh. but the reality is it's truly with age. Mm-hmm. Because there aren't guys in their 40s doing this shit anymore, and if they are, if something's gone wrong, you know, yeah, along the way, personally or professionally, because it just you, you get to a point in life, and I don't know when it is. I don't know the age range, uh-huh. but you know, it, it, the the, the sharpshooters on Twitter are in their 20s. Yes, oh. th- with their actual names. Now the burner accounts can go on forever as yeah. far as age, mm-hmm. but the sharpshooters are always like 20 somethings. Like, oh, they got me. Uh, it's everyone and, just know. wants to. Everyone just wants that big moment where you mic. Drops. Where they get the scalp. Yeah. Where they get the scalp. It's all know? mic drops. That's yeah. all Twitter it's, is. It's all, um, 
currently 29 votes since I posted the poll Damn, a couple fast. seconds ago. Uh, and we're at 69% for navy blue. Oh, I haven't. Uh, let me submit my vote. Like the president dropping in a ballot right here. <laughs> navy blue, 72%. Oh, wow. You got you got updated numbers. <laughs> you got a better uh, polling system than me. Yeah. Um, let's see what we got. Uh, nah, nah, nah. Yep. Uh, oh, no. We had we had something change. 65.9. Yeah, people prefer the, uh, the navy. navy. But and here's the other thing. It'll get retweeted by... And I don't know what the bra- – I do feel like the older fans like the red. Mm. I don't know why that is. Mm. I mean, I could really do a deep dive on this. But, hey, think about week. it. Think about it, Jackson. If we want to talk about Missouri uniforms, yeah, the block M is associated with the olds, right? Absolutely. Okay. Because you would be in the youngs, uh-huh. and the block M is something that's basically foreign to you. I mean, it was around when you were alive, but yeah. it wasn't like – you know, it was kind of on its way out. Yes. And Doug obviously hates the, <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. <laughs> I do think it. I mean, I just the thing. The, I won't say I hate it. I, the, the thing that I'm just enamored with is that a recruit <laughs> would choose where to go based on a school <laughs> uniform. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh. Uh, but with that all said, uh, I I think. But I mean, you know, Stan Musial was was wearing a navy cap. Yeah. I don't think the red cap came along until I, I maybe was around on the road in the 60s, maybe. But, I mean, for the most part, it was, I think it was. I'm trying to picture, like, when the Cardinals won the World Series against the Red Sox because they won at Fenway in 67. I yeah. think they were wearing a red hat because the weirdest damn – do you know what the weirdest thing is about the Cardinals winning the World Series games? Have the celebration of that? Are you aware? If either you know or you don't know. No, I don't know. If you, get, if you go to YouTube and you look at a video – an umpire runs by and grabs a hat off of one of the celebrating Cardinals. What? Really? It's the strangest fucking thing in the world. But I guess that used to happen. But that's that that happened. The umpire, the umpire, like it was the third base umpire. I think it was a pop out to end the World Series, and he goes running by and he grabs somebody's hat and runs off the field. What the hell? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was a red hat, just because I'm picturing that. I could be wrong. People could prove it wrong. The Cardinals lost Game Seven the next year at home to the Tigers, so they would be wearing a red hat there when Gibson had all those strikeouts. It was yeah, a red hat because that was Game One. When they played the Brewers, it was powder blue, but yeah. they were wearing red hats. Yeah. And then I think they made the switch in like '95. Jackson, we are at 75% navy blue. Needs to be more. But what I was about to say is it'll get retweeted kind of by like a Cardinal fan account, like a oh, like somebody yeah. who wouldn't like me at all. Mm-hmm. And then then there'll be like a correction. That's what that's what usually happens in these yeah. things when I do these Gallup. It'll polls. balance out once because people go look at this. This is so messed up. Don't you think the red hat's the best? And then they'll like flood the ballot box. That's yeah. what happens. So the true, the true credibility, the true number of the poll is really in the first couple of hours before mm-hmm. it has the yeah. once it, where it gets to somebody going who who thinks otherwise, and then gets it to their people on their Twitter account or their Facebook page, and then they flood the yeah. otherwise. So. Uh, yeah, we are at 70. We've already gotten 150 votes. My buddy is in all of the uh, Cardinal fan accounts uh, on Facebook, all the groups, for pure comedy reasons. I'm going to make sure he monitors for this tweet to get shared in there because the second it does. It'll happen. Oh, and when it does, that red number will boost up big time. <laughs> big time because he says these are B-fibs upon B-fibs of people. Oh, Ben Fred! Now Ben Fredrickson just retweeted. So now that just exposed Huge. the tweet. Yeah. 
to an audience that isn't necessarily the TMA audience and, and my deviant uh, podcast followers. So, uh, so now we're going to be now this thing will wind up being in the thousands. But right now we're at seventy five point three. I really feel I feel strongly about this. I feel strongly about uh, Willie McGee's number being retired. Yeah. Which, by the way, they have brought Daryl Kyle's number back into circulation. Uh, before they have brought Willie McGee's number back into circulation. Mm. Anything about that? Um, um, and I think at some point they will wind up retiring Jim Edmonds' number, which could be awkward if somebody in between, because they have brought 15 and people have worn 15 since he's left. Definitely. Uh, because I think he's going to wind up in the Hall of Fame, and the Cardinal yep. credibility for retiring numbers is Hall of Famers. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be – and what was Roland, 27? Am I right 27. He's going to wind up in the Hall of Fame. Definitely. And if you would have told me, Ben, I know this is this is in your the before your time category, which is uh-huh. an amazing thing that we're at that point that <laughs> I am 44 and I'm having before your time conversations <laughs> with people who I'm hosting shows with. But I would have told you that that Edmonds was the better player. Now, not not talking about head and shoulders above at all, but Roland just he just got hurt and it sucked because it was a, it was a play I think in game two against the Diamondbacks in 2002 NLDS when they swept him. Alex Cintron and, and then the Hesop Choi thing. You ran into him and he just kept he kept getting hurt. I think Roland maybe want, would have would have been the better player, I guess numbers wise. I guess he is. Yeah, barely. But in my, so barely. But yeah, but but in my mind, Edmonds was. I know people hear me say that, and they're like, oh, "It's because you have a friendship with him." It really isn't. I, I I would understand people saying that, but it's it just truly isn't. And I can tell you this: I'm more worked up about it than he is. That's for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, I think if he gets in, I think it'll mean a lot to him because he'll be older because it ain't going to happen in the next few years. It'd be Veterans Committee. But the, the Willie McGee number retirement, the Navy cap, I would love to see Missouri regularly with gold pants in football across the board. How do you feel about that, Jackson? I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying block M, but I'm saying the gold pants. I think it's a sharp look in football. Do you have a strong feeling one way or the other on I that? I do, and I'm against you. I don't – I like – I like the uniform, the pants to match the jersey. I'm weird like Boy, that. I hate that. All right, that, that's if I were in St. Louis, we'd probably be fighting right yeah, now. Yeah, no, and that's all, and no. I don't know. I don't know what the company policy is on that, but that we would be fighting. Yeah, as I, long as we like don't. when the Ra- so you liked when the Rams were wearing the blueberries back in the dome. Uh, preferred the blue on white, but with the tigers. Now you're now you're now you're a fraud. I mean, you've <laughs> just been exposed as a fraud like Raby. I thought you said you liked the jersey to be the same color as the pant. With the t- the only exception to that and I should have put this caveat is uh like the whatever color of the jersey whatever team is like the Rams with navy or tigers with gold or black uh white to go with it. I don't like when they go black jersey gold pant. I really hated it when the Rams would go uh navy jersey on pewter kind of Dijon mustard pant. That was one of the worst looks I've ever seen. So what was that? So that, that what the way what they wore in the Super Bowl wing year? No, no, in, like Mark Bolger years. So like the really gold. They call them gold pants. Oh, but they well, it was called gold. millennial gold. Is what yeah, it was called. Well, that That's what it was looked called. like. Throw up is what it looked I wonder like. What they did. I wonder what that was all about. I mean, I, I think people are like, why are you changing the uniforms after you won the Super Bowl? But that's something that you did back then mm-hmm. would give them off trouble because he said it takes three years to get a uniform approved, and now <laughs> every team in the league has like ten different combinations. Mm-hmm. But that uh, that they had already known that they were going to make that change, and so they win the Super Bowl, and then they have different uniforms the next year. It's not usually the way that it goes. All right, this thing is at three hundred seventy nine votes, it- and seventy six percent on navy blue. I. I- that's crazy. I, I think once it gets into the four-digit range, 
the balance will begin. Yes, yeah, so you're gonna see you're gonna see this thing swing back. My prediction on when it closes, and it'll close right at seven o'clock at the start of TMA, mm-hmm. that it'll be in the. I'm gonna go sixty-two navy blue, thirty-eight red. That's where I think we're gonna wind up. What do I, you think? I think I'm gonna go fifty-eight percent navy because I think wow. I, I really think you that, really do believe in the overcorrection. Well, opening day here tomorrow, people are itching for cardinal stuff, and this will like be like. I really think this is going to get shared around to the masses, and a lot of people are going to be voting yeah. for this. And the more people you vote, the closer the margins will be. Yeah, there's, let's see what the comments are. Now, this is interesting. Can, I assume you can see the comments uh, my yeah, mentions. I'm it up Somebody, right now. T- take a look at what Goobird wrote. <laughs> Such a good name. Well, by the way, this is no longer really a podcast. We're basically just having a conversation. I guess you're still recording, which is fine. Yeah, I'm with it. Uh, uh, that... Goobird has written, <laughs> wonder this is usually the type of person who shows up to tell me to go fuck myself, uh, but Goobird has written, and I actually, this is the picture, this is the hat that I actually think could be the the co- the compromise hat. Mm, yeah, definitely. Because it's got the red bill, and they would wear this, and I, I think that was like a batting practice kind of hat. Mm. So it's got, so, so of course, how many people can see Goobird's tweet to me? Uh, it's me and Jackson, that's it. But it's it kind of looks old school. It's a navy background uh-huh. with a red STL and then a red bill. Yeah. So that could be the compromise. And again, I don't know why, because the, the navy cap, it's more mark, it's more merch marketing. Yeah, I mean, definitely. of course they use it, but they only use it, I don't know. A handful of times a year, 15 yeah. games, 20 games at most. Right. Alive, man. I don't get it. What do I got here? Let this is sharp. Check. That STL is sharp. I kind of like that so design. You're that. I kind of like that. I'd like to buy that hat. I wear that <laughs> Yeah, thing. honestly. Uh, so, so as we sign off, we are just like that. What I posted the poll 10 minutes ago. 500 votes. Uh, 75.1% navy blue, 24.9 red. By the time this uh, thing is talked about on uh, TMA tomorrow morning, uh, you think it will be at 58% navy blue. Yes. All right. Yep. I, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I think there's going to be a substantial drop. I just use 62, so I will, I will hold on to that. Definitely. All right, time to wrap it up. Fun with uniform talk here on the program. In addition to a deep dive on TMA, what else? What what else could you ask for? Yeah, this is a good uh, one. Yeah, here you go. Um, yeah, I guess the title would be the deep dive on TMA eras, um, uh, the QFTA for March 31st, 2021. Action Jackson, always enjoyed, sir. Thank you so much. Yep. For the great Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. For the great Seth Goldcamp, designairservice.com. For the great James Carlton, carltoninsurance.net. For the great Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson, stlouisaccurate.com, altontoyota.com. For the great Jim Rogers of Restoration One of centralstlouis.com and his brand new company, American Environmental. And for the great Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.